good morning, afternoon, and evening, whatever time you are listening to this. I hope you've had a great week so far, and I think we can all be extremely grateful for the situation we are currently living in. We quickly forget what our body fat percentage is, what weight we can lift, how fast we can run when you see events like the current Ukraine situation going on. And I'm not going to sit here in virtue signal and pretend I know heaps about it or that I'm doing anything about it, but I just thought I'd bring it up to your attention to maybe take a second or two to be grateful for the situation we and you and everyone are currently in and how good we really do have it. On today's episode, number 12, I'm going to quickly bust my top five myths in training and rehab and lifestyle that I debunk with clients on almost a daily basis or even just people in my DMs and my messages. Let's get stuck in. Number one, static stretching and foam rolling will reduce the risk of injury and increase your performance. False. They don't break up adhesions. They don't lengthen tissue. uh, They don't reduce the risk of injury and they're not going to increase your performance. It takes around a thousand pounds of force to lengthen tissue by 1%. And even then, it's extremely short-lived. And static stretching is not going to lengthen your tissue. It's not going to actually increase the length of anything. Let's say for foam rollers, the average bloke weighs 80 kilos or 175 pounds. That's not even 20% of the weight needed to lengthen the tissue. And that's not even accounting for the fact that the full body weight isn't even on the foam roller. Static stretching is the exact same principle. It's not going to reduce the risk of injury or increase performance. Tightness is a symptom of a muscle not being strong enough or potentially overworked for something else. The brain simply sees as a risk of injury to a joint for one reason or another, so it tightens up the muscles surrounding the joint to limit range of motion and reduce potential injury risk. Two, training will make you bulky. This is mainly aimed at, and when I say mainly, I say 99%, mainly aimed at females. Bodybuilders eat extreme amounts of calories. Most take performance-enhancing drugs. They train religiously every day with high-intensity and strict programs. And even then, it still takes years and years and years and decades to get big and quote-unquote bulky. Muscle gain is sadly extremely slow. Trust me, I know. Worrying about getting big and bulky lifting weights It's literally like you going for a couple of runs each week and worrying you're going to become an uh, Olympic 100-meter sprint champion. And I'm just going to leave that there. Three, soreness is good for you and you need to train to failure. Soreness is actually an indication that your muscles are damaged. So this is usually DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, simply meaning you did something your body wasn't used to or prepared for. Occasional soreness is okay because some training... You may, you may do may just be harder or a higher intensity or something you've never done before and that's fine. But if you are always regularly sore after every single session, it means you're A, either doing too much, B, training too often or C, not recovering well enough. And then that follows on nicely to the second part of the myth, talking about failure. Studies have shown you can grow just as much muscle and put on just as much strength if you're training within around three to five reps shy of complete muscular failure, like 10 out of 10 fully fail, as you would at complete failure. So let's say when we go to complete failure, it puts us into a larger recovery debt that our body then needs to repair and recover from, which can hinder future training sessions like quality-wise and intensity-wise, 
and it can actually be too much for our body to recover from in general, leading to that consistent soreness and fatigue. So if you're always sore and fatigued, your body isn't working at an optimal rate in terms of recovery and readiness, and it can hinder your future training sessions and hinder you adapting to training and training at those higher levels. You can feel good and not train to complete failure and make just as much progress, if not probably more long-term. Train smarter, not always harder, but you still need to be training hard, but just be smart about how you do it. Number four, you need cardio to lose fat and you can target fat loss. This one is easy. Fat loss is calories in being less than calories out. So whatever you're eating and consuming, your body is, is, is doing more and burning more than that or a calorie deficit. Your body stores excess energy as fat to use another day. If you eat in a deficit to what your body needs, it will use those body stores at a later date to keep you functioning. So it it empties your or calls upon your fat stores, turns it into energy that you can use to stay alive, and you lose fat. Cardio will burn calories, and that can help with the, the side of the equation of calories in versus calories out. It's obviously the calories out because you're burning and using energy, but it's not actually going to make you drop fat by simply moving and completing exercise. Cardio has so many other benefits. Do it for the mental health, the heart health, the joint health, the steps, the bone health. Do it for that, not to try and lose fat. That should also answer the second part of the myth, which is that you can't choose where your body takes the fat from. That's based on genetics and gender and wherever your body wants to take fat from at that time. Doing things like wearing a sweat belt or certain exercises to lose fat from a specific area is ludicrous. Last but not least, pain equals injury or damage. Pain is simply an output of the brain that gets you to assess and check on something that the body potentially identifies as dangerous to you. We have receptors all over our body that senses things primarily like heat, chemical and pressure. And when these sensors detect something, they send a signal to the brain. The brain then assesses that sensory um, output and it assesses it alongside previous experiences, your stress levels, your energy recovery, all things like that. And it provides an output based on the decision-making process. So what it does is it, it says, okay, I've had this before and last time I was injured and I'm really stressed right now and I haven't slept. I'm going to give him a, a larger pain output to get him to really go check it because I think I'm in, in danger. Acute pain, so that's, that's like you stub your toe or you drop something on yourself or land wrong. That usually does mean damage, whereas longer-term chronic pain over three months where you've had that pain persisting isn't actually based on physiological injury or damage anymore, and it's more based on increased sensitivity to pain and decreased capacity of your tissues and then the brain being more sensitive. So in layman's terms, your brain still thinks there's an injury long after it's actually healed, and this, is, this, this area of pain science is very complex as, as to why it happens, but it does. And it sounds strange, but without pain, we wouldn't live very long. Pain is actually extremely useful. You just need to be aware if, if you're consistently in pain or you have persistent pain from an injury a long time ago, you need to be aware if your brain is actually exaggerating or telling you little accidental lies. And like I said, pain science is extremely complicated and it's, it's not very well known, but it's a topic well worth reading into if you're an athlete or if you're a coach or 
if you're a health professional or anything like that, it's worth reading into and starting to learn about. And if you want more about pain, simply um, or want to learn more, simply send me a message on Insta and I can link to you to an Insta post I did on it. And then actually two helpful lectures that I have A, listened to and, and B, send on to clients or, or my patients um, by a leading pain expert. His name's Lorimer Mosley and I use that with my clients on a regular basis. But for today, that is it. And if you take one thing from this episode, I want you to be more aware of what you're getting told and sold and you're seeing on Instagram and things like that. And if it sounds too good to be true or if some or someone may be saying it for ulterior motives, like are they getting paid to say it? Is it their company or uh, do they have a big say in something? Health and fitness is a long-term endeavor. 99% of the shortcuts and the hacks and the fads, they don't work. And they're simply designed for people to sell something. Uh, like they do all this marketing and this emotional selling just to make a quick buck. It's they, That's what those those quick hacks and fads and shortcuts are. Look, it's not sexy and it requires effort and consistency and discipline. But if you train hard and smart for a long enough period of time, I promise you will eventually be strong, fit, and you'll have that sexy body you're trying to get in time. Until next time, hate us.